0: The following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion, but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited! Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton.
1: Hello and
2: welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This is Opal Singleton. I'm the host of your show. We are going to talk about trends in trafficking. I spent much of this uh, week in uh, Washington D.C. at the Police Executive Review Forum. What a significant privilege that was! What an amazing opportunity to mingle and share thoughts and ideas with literally the nation's best of the best when it comes to law enforcement. This was uh, chief police, chiefs of police, and captains and FBI and Homeland Security and Diplomatic Services and people like that, Department of Labor. And uh, it was a think tank of what could be done differently, what is changing, uh, how we prepare for the future, how do we take care of the victims, what's working, what isn't working, and like that. Now, I was kind of surprised that uh, there were a lot of things that are in the trends that, that didn't come out, uh, but we were limited on time to one day, and so I want to cover some of the things and share some of the things that that I heard, what I see in the research that I do. For those of you that are new to the show, my name is Opal Singleton. I am the training and outreach coordinator for the Riverside County Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force. I report to the Riverside County Sheriff Department, and also I have a contract through the Department of Justice, where I train first responders and uh, NGOs and law enforcement and people like that all across the nation, uh, as well as here in Southern California. I'm also an instructor at three schools at USC, where it is especially the Saul Price Institute of Safe Communities, and I'm an instructor at the L.A. Fire Training Academy. All of those are just incredible organizations doing extraordinary work, and I'm very, very privileged to be able to work with them. So before I dive in, the first thing I'd like to ask is for your prayers if you're a faith-based person, because... It's been one hell of a week. <laughs> I don't usually say that, but it has. You know, uh, last Friday, I got hit for the first time since I've been in this business with a serious malware. Now, I have tens of thousands of hours of research. Unfortunately, I've printed off hard copies, much of it, because I do report to the Department of Justice. I don't want to trail. And... Um, And I also do many levels of backup, and I have a very serious virus because I do virus, um, what am I trying to say, you know, uh, prevention kind of thing, Uh, because I do, you know, research some very difficult subjects and I go into some questionable sites. Anyway, this malware, like, set me back to, like, 1983. It took out four levels of backup, including wiping out the thumb drive and the backup and the hard drive. even took word right off the computer. We have not been offered a ransom, so, uh, you know, in the meantime, we have a man who's working night and day trying to restore it, and I'm very, very grateful. I just ask for your prayers because that that makes this job so much more difficult without having everything in front of me. But I want to talk about what I'm seeing And uh, so, I'm actually seeing three, maybe four major trends that are going on in trafficking. Now, I've been doing this since 2008. I do it internationally as well as U.S. side. Uh, That's important since this radio show goes out around the world. Uh, But... The first trend I see here in the U.S. is that we are getting more and more foreign national sex trafficking rings that are very large scale. They're multinational, multistate, And in many cases, they're led by females. And in most cases, it's all about money laundering. So I want to talk about that because I don't know if they're uh, just actually happening and more often uh, or if they are getting more and more sophisticated. That's what it looks like to me. Uh, With the use of social media, it is, in fact, a world without borders, and so you're seeing that sort of thing happen. I also think that many of your bigger agencies are starting to concentrate on it. Uh, You know, think about this. You might discover a little Chinese uh, massage partner in your neighborhood, but it won't occur to you that it's being operated from a large-scale ring out of Bangkok. You simply arrest your local uh, people, and you stat it in law enforcement, you put it in your statistics, and you go on down the road. And uh, without maybe realizing that you have just tapped into a very large ring. So I want to come back and, and take a look at that in, uh, in depth in the course of this show. We're also seeing many of the domestic sex trafficking rings. That is where our kids and our adults are being lured or trapped into, for instance, prostitution. And they're being controlled by gangs. Even some labor trafficking is being controlled by gangs now where they're seducing our kids through dating sites and social media and online gaming sites. And they're multi-state and they're associated with other crimes. So what I want to talk about how that works because, again, if you're a first responder listening to this show, you may have a case. You may say, okay, well, I'm in a suburb of a town. And uh, we don't have that much trafficking here, but we got one case. Maybe it was a pimp and three girls. Um, Yeah, the pimp was associated with a gang, but you got him. And you may not realize that it's part of a large-scale ring that is taking place across America. And the way gangs are operating and selecting and using their their economic uh, influence is changing on that. So I want to come back to that one. And finally, most of you know that my forte is studying social media and technology trends that affect crime and crime solving. So we're going to talk about that in the end here and how all of that is changing this crime of human trafficking. So one of the questions that I often get and was discussed in this uh, in this form is, are we making any headway? And is this getting any better? And uh, of course, everybody's looking at it from a legislative point of view. And uh, I, I think that they do it from a legislative point of view because they believe that they might be able to get more convictions. Number one, and number two, that it gets the the um, the legal processor, the legislator, a lot more attention. And uh, that's what legislators do is they get attention, so you reelect them. And uh, so there's a lot of visibility, but I'm not sure if what we're doing has made headway or if in some cases it's actually harmed it. And uh, so I believe that really one of the most important things that we need to look at is not just legislation, but funding. Everybody wants to kind of stay away from that subject. But the funding of law enforcement with technology is going to be absolutely critical. To be able to load up our local law enforcement and and large-scale law enforcement, since these are multinational rings, we may need to look at how all of these cases are handled. Because, for instance, uh, you get that case in Let's say San Diego, you started in San Diego under the San Diego task force, but the victim may be from San Diego. But what you'll see here is the victim is very quickly moved around. And so all of these people have to work together. And so it's kind of like playing whack-a-mole. And what you're going to see, I believe, in the future, since we're talking about trends, is these will be discovered online, and you'll be able to start much higher up in understanding where all these these particular uh, crimes are taking place. Let me explain to you about something. One of the things that is happening is that many of these foreign national rings, let's take the Chinese rings, for instance, Uh, what you'll see is that they're taking place in multi-cities and actually operating with a call center. So I'll give you an example. Here I live in Southern California, about 60 miles east of Los Angeles and about 90 miles north of San Diego. But we recently had a case here where what happened is the uh, sex trafficking, the actual sex services were being provided in Oregon and Washington, and in Vancouver, and in Australia. But when you call the date, your your girl, you're getting, let's say, Susie Wong. When you're calling Susie Wong, what you're really getting is a telemarketing call center that is operated in Temecula, which is in my county. So in essence, we're probably a good 2,000 miles away from where the actual sex is being delivered. The sex buyer has no idea that they're reaching a call center. So you say, how does this work? Well, back when we had Backpage, before they got arrested and went out of business, and before we had FOSTA and SESTA, that has really made uh, sex trafficking tracking more difficult. Now, I'm not I'm not faulting FOSTA or SESTA in any way. It has its good points, but one of the things it did is it caused all the sex ad providers to go offshore, and so now there is not like one central place, I used to call Backpage the Sears and Roebucka sex acts. Uh, Six ads. Anyway, uh, there isn't one of those now. There are like forty-five of the different ones, and they're very filthy. I mean, absolutely full of pornography and and gross. And so it's hard to find a centralized location where sex is being sold. But back before Backpage was closed down, one of the things that I noticed about this Chinese trafficking. That was taking place was the same ad was in San Diego was in Riverside was in um, Oakland and San Francisco was in Redding California was in Portland was in Washington and was in Vancouver. Well, obviously Susie Wong can't be at every one of those locations. So what they're doing it is a large scale ring that's using the same advertising. And it hits a call center, and they send the next girl up based on the idea that you won't be able to tell she is not the girl that you ordered up from the ad. And you probably are thinking, when she gets there, who cares? She's cute, and she's here, and I will take that. But that is one of the trends that you're seeing in these call centers and these large-scale international rings. So they're operating, actually, not only multi-state, but multi-country. And they have literally hundreds of victims. These victims are mostly foreign national victims. In the case that I'm talking about, the girls came in uh, locally. They came in uh, legally with student visas and work visas, having no idea they were going to be forced into prostitution. This is Opal Singleton. The show is called Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We are talking about trends in trafficking And we're going to take it up again and talk about gangs next. So stay with us. We're going to be right back.
1: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton.
2: Hello, and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This show is brought to you by Million Kids, M I L L I O N. That's because more than 1 million kids are trafficked each year throughout the world. And we have been taking that on for almost 11 years going on, 12 years now. It's unbelievable. So we talked about some large-scale foreign national rings. Now, in this case, I was talking about Chinese rings. We had a ring that was discovered over here in L.A. In this case, they were from Thailand. The girls knew they were coming in for prostitution, but they had no idea that the U.S. prostitution market is much more brutal than some places in the Thailand market. Uh, In this case, they were operating all across the United States, and they were being controlled from Bangkok by two guys in Bangkok. So I talk about that because that's a trend that much of our law enforcement was not expecting. And uh, you are able to see more and more of this. You see, part of this has to do with social media. Most of you know I have a book out called um, Societal Shift, A World Without Borders, A Home Without Walls. And literally, it is becoming a world without borders. And that is true of sex trafficking, regardless of where it's taking place. Now, I want to address Hispanic trafficking and the issue a little bit with the border. I'm not going to take a side. I have been doing this long before this administration got into uh, office. I will tell you that I... I find myself going down the path of the administration just based on the cases I see. But I was saying this back in 2014, so this is not a political statement. What you're seeing here is that you're seeing exploitation taking place south of the border of those people that are trying to get into our country long before they even get to the Mexico border. And it is very, very organized. And uh, in many ways, it is a, a political as well as a financial motivation. And so what, the first thing that got my attention is way back uh, over a year ago when those first caravans were being formed. And we're all sitting here in America watching this on TV as we start to see thousands of people assimilate into a caravan. And I say to myself, who is organizing this? How does this work? Well, I read an article from a lady in Guatemala. She ran some sort of little food stand. I thought it was a tortilla stand. And, you know, she, she gets up every day. She goes down to a little stand and she hand makes her food. Let's say it's tortillas. And she's making like 3 to $5 a day. And, and they interviewed her and asked her if she was – coming on one of these caravans and she said well I got a whatsapp that told me to go to facebook that the caravan was forming so think about what I've just said this is a person who's living on three to five dollars a day and they have a cell phone and they get a whatsapp which is more common in their country than it's like a facebook kind of thing and they tell her to go to facebook because this is forming So what has happened here? You have uh, poor people who normally would never have the money to pay a coyote that is now being lured in with the idea that they can come up here, cross our border, and get a lot of money and become a citizen. They are uneducated. They're very poor. And these are people who normally never would do it because they wouldn't have the money to pay a coyote. You will often hear me say coyotes are not members of the Chamber of Commerce. When you're dealing with third world countries or countries that are very poor, what will happen is that you, will, you are trying to get away from the gangs there, so you pay a coyote to get away from them. But coyotes are not good guys, so you're paying bad guys to get away from bad guys. Now, I'm not faulting this. I'm explaining the process, okay, and the fact that social media is driving a lot of this. Now, I'm not passing judgment on whether or not this is okay or not okay or like that. What I'm trying to share with you here is how these trends are changing based on social media, we are seeing more and more of these cases where you'll have people that are sent, they're large-scale rings, ran by cartel members, ran by cartel family members. They're often ran by women, and they will send other women into Mexico, into Uh, Guatemala, uh, Nicaragua. I can't say that word, so I avoid it. Anyway, like that. And they will recruit based on the fact they can get the kids up here in the unaccompanied minor program. They'll take care of them. They'll get them jobs. They'll get them into school. Sometimes that works, and they really do that. Other times, there's sex trafficking rings. And in the case of the Mara Diego case, literally those girls were horrifically trafficked. They were moved up and down a five-county area. They were often forced to service 25 to 35 field workers a day. You die like that. You you literally hemorrhage. Uh, you can't live long. They, this was discovered because law enforcement pulled a car over. that had a lot of people in it. And one of the young girls, once they got her separated, told that she was being violated. She's different than the kind of victims we get up here that fall in love with their pimp. This is a girl who knows if she does not get the assistance of law enforcement, she's not going to live long. And she's being moved from place to place to place. There was a large-scale foreign national ring that I shared uh, over in uh, Mesa, Arizona when I trained over there. It was very difficult for law enforcement to find, but thank God, law enforcement, somebody was tenacious and found it. This lady... I can't remember her name now. I want to say it was Martinez, but we don't want to we don't want to violate somebody there. Anyway, um, but in her case, she was running almost a vacation style foreign national ring. In other words, she would advertise in many foreign countries, not just the country of her origin, D- Dominican Republic, uh, Guatemala, uh, some of your Asian countries, and people would sign up and she they would come in for two weeks on a on a travel visa and they would work for two weeks in prostitution and they would give her a significant portion of their proceeds and they would go home. That kind of ring is very difficult for law enforcement to find because the victim isn't here very long and they're moved around. It's kind of like playing whack-a-mole. It takes a while to build these cases, especially on these large scale foreign national rings It is not uncommon in those areas to see it take a year or two or three to get one of those to court. If you have victims who are coming and going every two weeks and they are from a foreign country and then they don't come back for six more months and somebody else comes in, that is a challenge to law enforcement. However, what I do want you to see is the common element on this is technology and social media. Much of it is encrypted, so it's very difficult for law enforcement to track a lot of this down. And so I also want to uh, close this session out by talking about MS-13. MS-13 is a very real thing. I've been saying this for four years, long before this office, this group took office. MS-13 uses social media to communicate. They use social media to lure in their victims. They l- use social media to bring in new gang members. They'll use gaming. They will use uh, encrypted uh, social media, so it's hard to see. MS13 works differently than most gangs. They are not like hanging out on street corners. They'll often use dating sites to to communicate. They will bring they will use social media to lure in their victims so that they can kill them. We just had one of those cases right here in Southern California. 22 MS13 guys were arrested. And 19 of them were charged, 19 of them were unaccompanied minors or uh, undocumented that had come here in the last three years. And most of them were 20 or under. In this gang, you actually had to kill somebody to be able to be part of the gang, and they use social media to lure people in and to communicate, but they're using the encrypted social media. People go, well, why don't people report them? You can't tell what it is. This is a reason for my book, Societal Shift. All of this technology is changing. It will make it very difficult for parents and very difficult for law enforcement. In this case, they had a young man who had crossed out the word MS-13 on a wall with graffiti. They lured him up to a park, a sports park, near the mountains over in by San Gabriel, and and they literally took turns stabbing him to death. They cut out his heart and distributed it. They cut his body parts and distributed it all over the community park. They filmed much of it, and they also t- sent it back to, uh, to El Salvador to let their team know back home, we are doing what we have to do. We have to educate our kids. Stay away from those dating sites and stay away from gangs and do not get involved. If you get a message from a gang member to meet up, do not go. Go to the police. Go into hiding. Go where you need to go. But what we have to do is educate our people, our parents and our kids. Now, nobody wants to hear about this because it's melodramatic. It's scary. It is warmongering. it It is everything you don't want to hear. But not hearing it does not make it go away. We must take this on. We must talk to our kids about how gangs are using dating sites and how gangs will lure young people in to literally trick them into becoming into commercial sex and prostitution where their lives become living hell. We must talk about it. Not talking about it does not make it go away. This is Opal Singleton. The show is called Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. I'd ask you to think about going to millionkids.org and hitting that Donate button and supporting our work. It costs money for us to send this education out around the world, and we need your support to be able to do this. This is the world's fastest-growing crime, and we must educate our law enforcement, our parents, and our kids so we can protect each other. Go to millionkids.org and donate. We're up against that break, so we'll be right back. Safe from predators.
0: Seduced. leaders and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, back to exploited crimes against humanity here again is opal singleton
2: Well, hello and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We are talking about trends and trafficking. You know, I just want to take a minute out before we go any farther and say thank you to all the people who have supported me over the many years that I have done this. I look at the photos back in some of my books in the early days and I think, oh my God, what has ever happened to me here? I have literally put in tens of thousands of hours studying this stuff. Since I've had this malware hit, I, I really really can appreciate all the valuable research that I have taken into my little brain. My little brain is trash, I think. But uh, how much this has changed, and I look back at the number of people I've sat with in my life, and and uh, kids that were being exploited, and parents who are missing their kids, or they've got a kid on the way to meet with a minor, and uh, they're terrified they're going pick, to be picked up for child pornography, and... You know, these these cases go on and on and on. Kids that actually end up being terribly, terribly trafficked and being gone. Our first case, she was gone for nine months uh... and traded in gangs and so we have seen a lot and we've seen a lot of changes with social media and how it is affecting all of this and i really want to just say thank you to all the people that have supported me over the years uh, you know these are just some fine people they're not wealthy people but they're people who are willing to give a hundred bucks or three hundred bucks a month to make this happen we are a small organization i get kind of discouraged some days because I go out and you know you see some of these newcomers to human trafficking and they tell these outlandish stories about how they actually rescue the girl or they they now have four safe houses and they're worth five million bucks or three million bucks and you know I struggle to be worth a hundred thousand and I think I'm doing this wrong uh, but I never wanted to be a big organization what I wanted to do is really educate the world so that kids will not be. Be uh, taken advantage of and have their lives changed. And I've been able to do that because there's been good people like yourself listening to this podcast that will send me a hundred bucks or three hundred or a thousand. Some of you and uh, some foundations have sent some, so that we can make this happen and we can stay on the air. We are getting ready to make this documentary. We got the first. Uh, set of seed funding and uh, and I'm very very grateful I'm very grateful to, to the Newport Beach Exchange Club and also to uh, San Manuel Casino of all places the money come from they're amazing people. And, uh, you know, I beat the streets of churches and nonprofits everywhere I could. And I would get turned down because I only do prevention and intervention. And I'm like, wouldn't you want to save a child before they get violated? And they go, well, that's our policy. And so here we came one day, Sam Manuel contacted me and said, we want to keep a kid from being violated. And I praise God for that. I am going to need more money, quite a bit of it, quite frankly to get this off the ground. But we're on our way and we're starting so that we can fix this problem and so our kids will not be violated. So I want to get back now to this thing about how all of this is changing. So we've been talking about foreign national trafficking. One of the things that I want you to see is the power of coercion in social media. One of the reasons all this is happening, these large-scale rings, is because those threats can be made real to that perpetrator, excuse me, to that uh, victim at any given time. You know, here in Southern California, 85% of Mexicans have family on both sides of the border. The cartel is here and the cartel is there. And what they will say to those victims is that you're going to do this or we're going to rape and kill your nana back home. And not only can they, they will live stream it so you can watch. So the power of coercion in social media is a huge, huge trend that few people are looking at. That's exactly how MS-13 operates. You know, there were only maybe 22 people involved in that operation of killing that man, but it reaches the masses when it goes out into the media, even reaches all the way to El Salvador as they use it for intimidation. I want you to think about something for a minute. The power of, of, uh, Terrorism, couldn't think of the word, it's early, it's 7 a.m. out here in Southern California. The power of terrorism is the fact that it has an opportunity to disrupt our sense of predictability. In other words, uh, these things that happen down in uh, uh, Texas... And uh, that happened over, I believe, in Ohio. I can't remember right now. I've been traveling, so I don't have the information in front of me. But these mass shootings, they affected a lot of victims. But I want you to think about something. They affected you and your family because the fact that we can see it live That we can process it over and over, that we can send it out on Twitter, that it goes out by live streaming, that it is posted and reposted and reposted. What you're seeing is that it spreads an army of of, uh, coercion around the world, of threat. And so even though we are not violated in those, we're not those 22 people that died, it's as if we're there because we are seeing it almost live. We're experiencing those emotions, and we say to ourselves, I could be next. Uh, Perhaps I shouldn't go to that cafe Perhaps I shouldn't go to that movie theater. Perhaps I shouldn't go to that big event. Except it is happening absolutely everywhere. And so that is one of the trends that you're seeing for people like MS-13 and these big rings is and how do, how does that work, for instance, like a Thai sex trafficking ring? That girl that is being victimized, she may be from Bangkok, and she's doing it in Riverside, California, but they are constantly reaching her through social media saying, here's a picture of your family. Don't forget them because we can change your life forever. You do something wrong and we will hurt your family. So you have global manipulation and coercion. That is one of the big trends that is happening that causes our victims to be much less likely to be able to Want to cooperate? Additionally, they can very quickly be moved all around the the nation or internationally, and so it's very difficult. They change their name, they move them around, and uh, and now that we don't have centralized location for the sex ads what will happen is they will put them on local ads in local cities and it's very it's much more difficult for us to locate them so those are all trends of how all of this is happening gangs are using social media to recruit it looks like a boyfriend gangs use social media for intimidation gangs use social media for indoctrination Gangs will often set up their own video games where violence is is good, and they, they start to bond with people in the chat room and feel like they're included in something. And many of our kids want that element of inclusion, and so it is a grooming process that is taking place. So, there are many trends that are taking place, but the biggest impact of this is how social media is affecting this and where is all of this going to go. And so, I want to kind of use my last segment to begin to kind of share that with you. What is happening in social media is that, first of all, it is becoming encrypted. And that's a problem. That's a real problem. Now, for a long time, many of these groups have used VPN, virtual private network, which is hard to crack. Think about how law enforcement gets cases. People come to them. They give them a certain level of proof that a, that a crime is being committed. They do the background research that's called crime analyst work. They'll access, in our case, over a hundred databases, the ones that we use in our task force, and they build that case. And then they get a search warrant, they they get the ability to go out and track social media communication, and they follow the money. But all of this is becoming more and more difficult. Just let me give you a couple of ideas. Here in California, good-hearted people who want to protect sex trafficking victims, and I'm not against it, I get it, but it just made it more difficult. What they did is they they passed a law that said that if you're in prostitution and you report a rape, that you won't be tried for the prostitution. Well, I get that. And that is a good bill. I get it. That they added to it that just because they're picked up with a condom, that the condom cannot be used as proof of, of um, probable cause. Well, that's a problem. Because... How we would prove crimes in law enforcement is it's no different than if you pick up a guy for burglary. If he has a pry bar and a mask and some gloves, then uh, that's probable cause to burglary. So in this case, condoms were probable cause to the act of prostitution or the act of sex trafficking. In California, everybody got really busy and passed that law and everybody's bragging about it. But it is going to make it more difficult. Now we also have encrypted messaging in a very big way. And we're about to get blockchain. Blockchain is decentralized computing. Why does that matter? One of the things we do when we see somebody like Jeffrey Epstein who is allegedly, I'm not going to accuse him because he is not convicted well he was convicted of one thing but one of the things we do is get a search warrant for that hard drive and we take that hard drive back and then we download it and get our proof. With blockchain it is decentralized computing there will not be a hard drive and this is going to be infinitely more difficult. My name is opal singleton the show is crimes against humanity the organization is million kids please go to millionkids.org m-i-l-l-i-o-n-k-i-d-s millionkids.org hit that donate button help us out please so we can make this show happen we're up against that break stay with us we'll be right back
0: Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers, will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton.
2: Hello and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We are talking about some of the trends that are taking place in social media and sex trafficking and social media exploitation. So not only are we seeing large-scale rings, we're seeing the power of coercion in social media. We are seeing that gangs are changing and how they are joining forces. Uh, One of the things that I often will share with people are how gangs are using these dating sites and they create these large-scale rings that are being operated from prison and so this is this is one of those double edged swords if they're being operated from prison it gives us a centralized location to be able to understand what's happening in other words Uh, You know, prisoners aren't real smart. And they says every 20 seconds, this call is being monitored by law enforcement. But they use terminology thinking they're going to beat it because they are talking to people and sharing. And these calls are monitored. And that is how we find many of these rings. It takes a lot of time to do that. But they are also using social media for intimidation. And they are able to do that around the world. There's another way that uh, we're seeing a huge trend. And that is in sex selling. Now, this is like playing whack-a-mole for law enforcement, quite frankly. Before, we had one site. It was called Backpage. Here in Riverside County, which is about 60 miles from Los Angeles, we're a suburb. We had about 96,000 ads a year under one category of women dating men under one website. So that's like 12, uh, 10,000, yeah, about 10,000 a month, okay? And uh, so it's fairly pro- prolific if you divide that down. It's about 300 ads, 3,300 ads a day. My math is a little slow. It's early. So what you're seeing now, though, is it got shut down, and the FOSTA-SESTA bill said that if you are are exploited in one of those sex ads that you can sue the site. So what has happened is all these sites have moved offshore, and so they're not subject to U.S. law. So they're just horrific, folks. I mean, I I used to go on Backpage all the time. It was no big deal. It was like looking at a Victoria's Secret catalog. It wasn't that a big deal. These sites offshore are horrifically pornographic. And uh, it takes a toll on law enforcement in my mind. Quite frankly, I don't go on them unless I just have to. But that is all changing because they don't get critical mass. What you're really seeing is one-on-one advertising uh, Snapchat came out with Snap Cash, and they said on there now you can monetize a selfie. If you want to see how big this is, just go on to your Google. I'm not responsible if you get pictures of penises, by the way, but go on and uh, put in Snapchat and uh, um, s- uh, Snap Nudes. And you will see site after site after site that are trying to lure our young people into making money selling nudes through Snapchat. So what you'll do, and this is also Facebook is about to open a dating site. The Tinder, the Meet Me, you hook up with these people with a provocative photograph. And then you begin to exchange information and set them up on your own Facebook site. Or later, Facebook has a site in the dark web, Meet in the Dark Web. You now can operate through cryptocurrency. You can even take prepayments. When we get Libra, that will become absolutely prolific. So what you're seeing now is a lot of sites that are hooking up. This is my fear, by the way, in a, in a site like TikTok. TikTok is mass audience live streaming. You, if you're, your person is on there and they're twerking and dancing and like that, it triggers people in the audience. It goes right out to the audience. TikTok is not like, and I did a whole show on this, so I don't want to get lost on it, but it's uh, not like Facebook. You know, you're talking to a large number of people, and it, it can be a million people. It can be 500,000. All anyone has to do is sign up and wait, and if you're dancing provocatively, they are able to, number one, get your profile, get your geolocation, and three, they can text right back to your phone. When they text back to your phone, they go, wow, this is really good. I'd like to get to know you. Talk to me on Instagram. So it is like a lead generation program for sexting. And they're hard to, to monitor. TikTok is now the biggest in the world, bigger than Snapchat, Facebook, or Instagram. And so it is literally pedophiles. All they have to do is sign up and wait. And they see a 10-year-old out there twerking, and they can text back and go, Hey, baby, you're hot. Get me some more photos. I'll get you a contract. Let's talk on Instagram. And off they go. They've hooked up with our child. So those are trends that I am seeing in this. You're seeing more and more of this independent kind of thing where they can hook up, advertise their their, their um, services, or at least look provocative and let them know they're available Or you can actually even monetize your selfie. You can do self-nudes and then charge for it on Snapchat. When we get live me has live money and TikTok gets into their currency, you're going to be seeing this become a trend around the world as kids all over the world are twerking and dancing and stripping and doing amateur pornography in their bedroom and charging for it on on their cryptocurrency so they can buy a new pair of Nikes or support their family in third world countries. These are all trends that are happening. Well, folks, I hope this has been helpful to you. Uh, this changes regularly. I am uh Bound and determined to get all my research back. Fortunately, I have all of it in hard copy, and I plan to keep this going. But I want to thank each and every one of you that have supported this show financially and helped us through this very difficult time. Thank you for your prayers. When, uh, when you get hit with malware like we did, even though we have many, many levels of virus protection and backup and all kinds of things, Life gets a lot more interesting, and these are hard times right now. So I want to say thank you to San Manuel Casino. I want to say thank you to Newport Beach Exchange Club. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you people out there. Some of you, you know who you are, Ryan, Williams, uh, I can't even think of all of you, Riesling, uh, Polson, all these people who regularly began to come forward and help us out. I truly, truly appreciate you. I am a small organization in the scheme of all these people, a lot smaller than most anti-trafficking corporations. I only live at your grace and mercy and your generosity, and I cannot do this work without you. I will get up every day at 4, I will do the studying, and I will give you this information for free, just as we do on this show. By the way, all these shows are archived at exploitedcrimes.com. Just go to listen, scroll down, the last one's at the bottom. You can share them, you can uh, download them, you can even get an embed code and put this thing on your website if you want to. Thank you so much to each and every one of you that follow me. I get to meet you when I go out and speak, and I'm very, very grateful to every one of you that share this show, that listen to this show, that care about this subject, and you're willing to support it with your donation, www.millionkids.org. You folks have a great week, and we'll see you next Thursday. I'll be just back from Dallas, so it should be a great show. Take care.
1: Thanks again for listening
2: to the preceding program.